Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. On today's show, I'm talking to Joe Hirsch. Joe's on a mission to change the way we give feedback. He's a TEDx and keynote speaker, columnist for Inc., and author of The Feedback Fix. Want to learn the rules of giving and receiving feedback? Want to help people give you better feedback? Well, sit tight, and I'll be right back with Joe Hirsch and Let's Fix Work. Work is broken, and so is the way you think about it. Host Laurie Ruterman is picking up the pieces so you can take control of your career, put yourself first, and be your own HR. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Laurie. Hey, Joe. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. Hey, Laurie. Great to be with you. Oh, I'm so happy to have you, man. It has been a wonderful time getting on your schedule. You are incredibly busy. And I keep telling people that I'm excited about a guest. I've got a guy who's an expert on feedback, and they know it's you. How did that happen? How did you get known as the feedback guy? I guess because it was so hard for me to receive feedback for so long that I kind of self-diagnosed and dived into that topic a little bit more. And over the course of going through the research and talking to people who are really leaders in this area, I came to the understanding that it's not the way that we receive feedback that is so flawed, although that is a challenge that I hope we can get into a little bit today. It's mainly the way that we're giving it to people. And if we make those small shifts in the way that feedback is sized and shared, then I think we can make a big difference in the way that people go about receiving feedback in a way that's going to create more positive and lasting change. Yeah, you're speaking my language. One of the things, well, throughout my whole life that I've needed to work on is both giving and receiving feedback. I am cynical. I'm resistant to change. Basically, I'm a human being. And so (laughs) maybe we can start there and talk about what are the rules of feedback as a giver. I think there are three things that we need to do Uh, to get better at giving feedback, whether that's um, in a context of work, your manager giving feedback to your employees, whether you're a teacher giving feedback to your students, whether you're a parent giving feedback to your own kids. There are three things that we have to do to shape that message and make it more meaningful. It starts with a mindset change. And changing that mindset means stop thinking about people as empty vessels waiting to be filled, but see them more as agents of change, people who are capable of making that shift for themselves, and to start looking to them as being the real creators of a future that they can still change and not a past that they can't. When feedback is is rooted in a past that we can't change, we're utterly helpless to do anything about it. And making that very important mindset change from looking towards a past that can't be controlled or changed to a future that can, that's a huge mindset change that already changes the whole shift and focus and dynamic of feedback. I love that because we are taught as managers, as leaders, that past performance is an indicator of future potential. And what you're saying is that that's not necessarily true and people have the capacity to change and have some agency over their lives and can actually be different than uh, history has shown us. I think people have to make a choice for themselves. And that choice as a manager, is do you want to force a change on someone or do you want to provoke an insight? I want to force a change, especially on my husband, (laughs) my (laughs) my sister, like all of them. I want to force that change, but it never happens. Because ultimately, you can't control that that actually happens. I mean, 
to some extent, managers have have some control. We can always fire someone, but that's not yeah. what we want to do. It's depressing, yeah. That's absolutely. not, but that's not how we fix work. That's not how right. we fix feedback. The way we do that is by making that change process owned by the person who's on the receiving end. And if we change our focus and our mindset from we're here to impose our will on another person to we're here to work with them as a partner and as a coach, then we are more likely to get the results that we want. So mindset is the first big change. The next is the method. Because even if you have the right mindset and you're thinking about this in the right way, as a partner and not an adversary, as someone by their side, not above them, you still need the mechanics that allow that change to happen. And here's where adopting a coach approach to giving feedback is so powerful. Instead of merely telling people what we see, we should start to help them describe that process and that picture for themselves. It's the difference between what I'd like to call being a window gazer or mirror holder. You see, a window gazer looks out and tells the other person what they see. If you have two people standing beside a window and they're both looking out and they're both describing the scene, well, only one view is right. And it's usually the view of the person with the power and the perspective, the gazer, the giver. But if you make that shift from window gazing to mirror holding, you're holding a mirror to someone else, then your view doesn't matter. It's the view of the other person on the other side of that mirror that truly matters. It's not telling them what you see. It's helping them see it for themselves. And so making that shift towards asking more questions, being curious, listening better, and guiding people to uncover the truths that they already hold, that's a method that is designed to move people more towards becoming a partner, not an adversary, and ultimately uncovering information that you might not have known. Just think about it for a minute. If you're a manager and I'm your report, and you're telling me things that you think you know about my performance, well, you're only going to be reinforcing the view that you already have. But if you want me to surface new information, you want to help create a better picture of performance, you need to hear my side of it as well. And getting me to uncover those truths and surface those circumstances, that's going to help you also do a better job of helping me because you have more information now. But that only happens if you have the right mindset. And it only happens if you're asking the right questions and using these right coaching methods to allow those conversations to happen. So that's mindset and and that's methods. That's so interesting to me because I think one of the roles of management that people have been taught is to correct and to inform people of how they're behaving. And you just flip that on its head. So I love that. That's really beautiful. What's the third piece of giving feedback? The last one is measures because you still have to measure for success and you still need to make sure that people have a picture of their performance and that there's a way to chart their growth. But here, ratings just aren't going to be the most effective way to do it. Um, I'm not saying that performance management needs to be totally tossed out the window, but... Uh, Well, you could, and we'd all agree. (laughs) (laughs) But we need to do a better job at moving that focus from ratings to development and looking at people not as empty vessels waiting to be filled, but really as agents of change waiting to be unleashed. And if we help create a, a way of keeping track of that, of that growth through shared goals and a more partnership-based approach where you, the manager, and I, the report, we're talking about these issues together. We're coming up with a shared vision of what excellence looks like. We're charting those goals through weekly check-ins. We're doing the things that enable people to feel like they own the change, that they have control over that change, and that ultimately, they feel like they're being guided towards that change. 
Because ultimately, Laurie, it's not that people fear change as much as they fear being changed. And if we help people remove some of that fear, uh, make them feel like they're actually in control of the process and help them have a greater voice and have more choice in how that process unfolds, I think we're going to help them recognize that change is not something to be feared. It's something to be celebrated. And feedback then becomes a completely different dynamic. No longer is it about imposing our will or triggering the threat response that all too often comes up in a feedback encounter, but it's actually making it a source of joy where people can actually feel good about the feedback that they receive from the people around them because it's a partnership. Yeah, that is so lovely. And it really fits with my vision of work that is less hierarchical and more about collaboration and moving towards shared goals and accomplishing tasks on a project, not just because you're somewhere in a career ladder, but because you really care. So I love that. I have no problem with that. All right, let's talk about receiving feedback because for me, this is a complex issue because as a woman, I can't tell you how many times I've said to people, you know, I never asked you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. all day long yeah. on the internet, I'm like, eh, I yeah. didn't ask for your feedback. So can you offer some ways to receive feedback either in a more gracious way or even when it's given to me in a great way, sometimes I'm not receptive to it. So mm-hmm. what are the rules there? I think it's important for people to let in and let go. Letting in means letting people into your life who are going to help you become a better version of yourself whether that's a trusted colleague at work, hopefully your manager, if the manager has the right mindsets and he or she has paid attention towards developing a coaching outlook towards giving feedback. But feedback can come from many sources. And I think we need to find those people, those, those mirror holders, if you will, and let them into our lives so that we can benefit from the feedback that they give us because we can only see so far all by ourselves. We need others to help us uh, increase our view and expand our horizons. We always enter situations with, with blinders on, our, our biases, our blind spots. It's important for us to let those trusted advisors and friends and colleagues into our lives. That's the letting in. As far as letting go, it's important for us to let go of the ego that we bring to feedback encounters. It, it's really hard to, to hear uncomfortable truths uh, and to hear people share things about ourselves we didn't know and frankly don't like. However, Letting go isn't about what we give up. It's about what we give. And if we give ourselves the openness and the space to really let those messages come in, then we're going to give ourselves the opportunity to really change. Because we can't change the feedback that we're given. That's fixed. That's, that's someone else's prerogative. Where we do have control is what happens next. What happens after that feedback is received? We may not be able to change that hand that we're dealt, but we absolutely can change the way we play it. And if we think about feedback as a gift of people really trying to help us, and yeah, they may not say it the nicest way, and yeah, their orientation may be not right, and yeah, it's uncomfortable to hear all those things about ourselves. But ultimately, the goal of feedback is to help people get better. We have to realize that, even if it's not framed just the right way. And to listen for those truths and listen for those you know, really on-point messages that, that are delivered there. Because if we can peel some of those things back, we may start to realize, you know what, that person has a point and they're really just trying to help me become better. 
Yeah, I, I believe that in an optimal world, I think one of my challenges being a consultant, being a freelancer, being on the internet all day long is that I am inundated with feedback. And I think a lot of people feel this way about their work environments because maybe they've been taught to give feedback and receive feedback in a broken model. But it's hard for me to differentiate because I'm so overwhelmed the feedback that I'm a horse face or that I'm like an awful person on Twitter versus the feedback from, I don't know, my husband or my dearest friends who are like, oh, you're not operating in an optimal way right now. And so it just becomes a blur. It's like a feedback heavy culture that we're in, but it's not really feedback. It's just noise. I think. a lot of noise. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I think one of the things that we can do on the receiving end to help get past all that noise and cut through the clutter is to ask for feedback rather than wait for it to be delivered to our doorstep. Yeah, that's fair. And if you go, if you go to someone, you say, hey, you know, I'm really trying to get better at something, uh, whatever the particular issue is. You know, I want to be a little more collaborative in meetings. I want to sort of make my voice a little smaller so that other people's voices can be a little bigger. Can you help me with that? And that's something now that is particular. Um, it's targeted, and it really gets to a particular part of yourself that you're looking to change. And so it doesn't become a pile on. And it's very focused, and and that also allows the message to be better received by people. How do you tell somebody that you don't want feedback? Is that ever appropriate? Is that fair? Because I get that all the time, and I physically say, you know what, I didn't ask you, or I don't want your feedback. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, there are some times and places where feedback given to me is inappropriate. Uh, do you have a better way for me to phrase that? You might say to the person that, I know you're really trying to help me, and I think I might be able to better understand what you're trying to do if you can then help me better understand your intent. Oh, yeah. So now you're moving the conversation back into question mode and you now have more control over how that process unfolds next. That person may not have expressed the feedback elegantly or even nicely. <laughs> However, <laughs> you right. can reframe the whole conversation with that one simple question. Just help me understand your intention here. What are you trying to do? And then they're going to start telling and they'll start telling you and then you can go from there. Yeah, really good. Well, I had a very important piece of feedback that was given to me, um, I don't know, not quite a decade ago by a boss that I had, and his name was Brett Starr. And he was a great boss. I love him. I love him to this day. But we were having some challenges at work. The business was going through some changes. He was having his own issues. I was having my own issues. And he looked at me in a meeting, and we were really angry with one another. And he said to me, you know, Lori, nobody enjoys working with you. Mm. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like, I'm a charming, wonderful woman. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. And he said, no, not right now. You're cynical. You're hyper negative. You're critical. And to a person in this agency where we work, nobody is enjoying their work experience with you. And that feedback shook me to my core. Yeah. And it but, but, but it really helped me think about my experiences and owning the feedback and making sure that I went to each individual person thereafter and tried to repair that relationship and make that experience better. But it was incredibly hard for me to own that feedback. And so I wonder if you have a story like that in your own life where, I don't know, you were given feedback that was difficult, that was challenging, mm -hmm. and you had to own it and it was a struggle. I had something come up recently in my work where I had been blind to the way that others had been seeing me for a long time. And 
it occurred to me only after things really started to slip that this was something that had to change. My relationships started to become strained. Uh, My standing within my organization was diminished. And that was kind of a wake-up call for me that the way I saw myself wasn't quite the way others saw me. Right. That's got to so, be common, right, Joe? It, yeah. It, and it happens all the time because we don't think of ourselves as negatively as others might. We tend to have a rosier view of our performance, <laughs> of who we are, of who we, who we, how we think others see us as well. Yeah. Don't they think we're all charming? Exactly. And that's why it's important for us when those messages are delivered. For you with Brett and for me with a similar situation with a colleague at work who said, Joe, how do you want people to see you? Because you're just not showing up in a way that people are seeing you that way. And it's hard to hear that. Yeah. yeah. But you can't control that message and you can't control the, the circumstances that led to that message. But what you can control is what happens next. And that's where the honesty and the, um, the awareness and the lack of ego comes in. And that's where we get to choose what happens next. Uh, we get to choose the way we play that feedback card. And if we play it right, we play it well, then we'll let go of our ego. We'll let in the mirror holders. We'll make sure that the people who care about us and want to see us succeed and become the best versions of ourselves, give us those guiding points that we need to become better. And then we start to act on that because acting on feedback is very important too. It's one thing to have the right mindset and find the people who are going to give you the right kind of message. But ultimately, you have to be ready to act on that feedback. And that's hard because it means letting go and it means doing the hard work of personal improvement. So interesting that you mentioned acting on feedback because I think work is broken because fundamentally so many of us bring in our family of origin trauma to work mm. and we're reenacting mm. that and we're trying to figure it out. So when we get feedback, it can feel so devastating. It feels like your mom just told you off or your dad, just that dad that was mean, judgy and pitted you against your siblings, right? You start to feel those feelings again in the work environment. So how do you positively act on feedback and not reenact those family dynamics that come up so easily and you know so well? Having a circle of people around you who can help you manage that change and continue to stay focused on the message is absolutely critical. Call it your kitchen cabinet, call it your circle of critical friends, whatever it is. These people are the ones who help us stay honest with ourselves, stay focused on the goal, and ultimately get towards better by making sure that we don't fall off that wagon. And if we do, they help us get back on. Uh, For me, it was two other colleagues at work, um, as well as my family. Um, For others, it may be bosses, it may be colleagues, it may be friends or family, but having those people who help you navigate that complicated process of self-improvement, that's so important. And without it, it's unlikely that any commitments to change will last. You know, it's so interesting to me that you just brought up the word self-improvement because that's really what we're focused on, right? We're focused on getting better. But when I worked in corporate human resources, I was surprised by how many individuals were not focused on self-improvement and were really just okay being mediocre or okay being broken or didn't really believe the feedback that they were given. So is there a special way to communicate with those individuals who are not necessarily just resistant to change because like everybody's resistant to change, but fundamentally don't understand that what they're doing is a form of self-sabotage? 
it's almost impossible to ever change anyone unless they're willing to do it, right? I mean, you can't force someone to be different, but I think it begins with a little bit more trust and those relationships are critical. And when people see us approaching with a positive intent out of a, out of a point of caring and not judgment, they're more likely to receive those messages from us. And so if there are people within our organization who seem resistant to change, my first question to that manager would be, well, what's your relationship with that person? And are you even the best person to be giving that message? Because without trust and without relationships, no one's going to listen to anything we have to say. And so being a manager means getting better at this process of shaping and sharing feedback. However, it's also having the self-awareness to know that you may not have that special relationship with everyone on your team. And to help people get better may mean deputizing others around you to be the messenger and to help get that message across because it'll be more likely to be received. Oh, I love that idea of deputizing. Have you uh, had someone report to you who didn't necessarily respond to your feedback? And have you deputized someone else? Like, how, how did that work out? Have you seen that firsthand? Yeah, I worked with a company recently in a professional services industry where this was a, a pretty common scenario. The manager was very effective, but just didn't have a, a very good people touch and um, was perceived by some of his reports to be somewhat aloof. When I worked with that person, we began by sort of unpacking the things that he thought he was doing versus what others believed him to be doing and helping him realize the areas where he can be impactful because they thought he was a very effective manager. They just I'm sure he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the people around him liked working for him in terms of, you know, he was able to move the pro- he moved projects forward and, and the book was pretty good, but he just they didn't feel that there was a, a warmth with him. And so for that reason, they were never they were, they were always skeptical and a little bit wary about getting messages from him because they just didn't really understand his intentions. And so what we, what we came up with was there was another person on the team, um, reported to him, but sort of like a leader among peers in the group. And that person was a trusted voice within that group of 10. And what this manager ended up doing was essentially relinquishing some of these feedback duties to that individual. Uh, who could deliver those messages with greater trust. And in the end, what they started to do was have these feedback conversations as a group. Because, oh, yeah. because it wasn't appropriate to be having those conversations um, sort of side to side. It did need to come from this manager. But having this person alongside the manager kind of navigating and shaping that conversation together where people could operate with greater levels of transparency and trust that, that was a hard thing to do, but ultimately everyone was more comfortable talking about these issues out in the open rather than having them behind closed doors with someone who they were a little bit wary about. Yeah. And so yeah, you can do that if there's a level of trust and comfort on the team where the manager can kind of step back a bit, relinquish his or her role to someone else who, who may just have a, a better sense and a better handle on these issues. Because it is a, it is a skill and it is somewhat of a, of, it's a learned habit, but it also is somewhat of an innate, you know, tendency that we have. Some people are just, they put people at ease and others don't. And so finding the people around you who can be those purveyors and deliver those messages, that's important. That's another step in making sure that your message is getting out. You know, you reminded me of a story when I worked at Pfizer, you know, it's a pharmaceutical organization. I worked with a lot of heavily technical people and the leaders were often men 
And in giving feedback, they weren't necessarily astute or eloquent or even Mm. skilled, right? You know, I mean, they're technical leaders and they would deputize people. They would deputize women and basically outsource the emotional labor to the women on their team. And so they would have a conversation with women and then women would be almost like the emissaries or the spokesperson and deliver the hard news, the sad news, the emotional news. And I can't tell you how many times I would have to go back to these male leaders and say, it's time we start working on your EQ. And I wonder if that was uh, typical in that culture or if that's something broader that you've seen that there's, there's like a bifurcation with the gender and women are naturally more eloquent in delivering feedback and men have a difficult time or was that just an anomaly within Pfizer? Where, where does gender play a role in this? That's an interesting question. Um, I think that it is something that may come naturally to some people more than others. I'm not sure that it's purely based on gender. I've met Good. some. Yeah, I've met, I hope I've not. Met, yeah, I mean, I've met some men who are are, are of a higher EQ than some of their peers, and I've met some women who who aren't as strong in that department. However, I think it's more about finding the right person uh, on the team who has that soft touch and that keen eye uh, yeah. who can perceive what's going on in terms of the team dynamic and to make that person the one who, who really helps guide that process forward. An area where I've seen this, um, I guess, kind of explode is, is in the area of collaboration because that's sort of the cousin to feedback. Once you give that feedback and now someone has his or her marching orders, this is where the people around that individual can really rally and help that person get better. We think of collaboration in terms of working together on shared goals in terms of our work, but I think we need to learn to collaborate better and be advocates for one another in our own personal growth and development as well. And here we don't collaborate enough. It becomes almost private practice. Behind closed doors, feeling like the weight of the world and change is upon our shoulders. And I think if we open ourselves up to the people around us and ask them for their feedback and make them feel like they're, they're with us and alongside us and we let them into our lives and our struggles, we may be surprised to realize that they're going through some of the same things. Uh, one of the things that happened in this team that I work with in the professional services industry is that by having these conversations out in the open, people became more vulnerable and sort of lowered their guard. And that just increased the trust around everybody. And the manager himself became more trusting of the people around him and himself started asking for feedback from the people around him which was amazing because this was not someone who would have done that necessarily at first. A little more of a linear person, a little more uptight, not someone who would let his guard down naturally. But by creating an environment where he sort of relinquished a little bit of that control and gave up some of that power, he ended up getting so much more back. And I I think that's the message that I want people to always remember is that letting go isn't about what we give up, but what we give. And when we give people greater voice and more choice over the process of how they work and how they respond, to that feedback by making them our partners and not our adversaries, by making them feel like they're creators and not victims. This is how we really enable people to reach a better version of themselves. It's a great positive and lasting change. And it makes the work that we do as managers better. And it makes the work that we do as employees better. Joe, that is just such a lovely and beautiful way to end this segment. Thank you so much for being a guest on Let's Fix Work. If people want to learn more about feedback and, you know, being a better version of themselves and all the kind of messages that you talked about today, where can they find you on the internet? Best place is Joe Hirsch, 
H-I-R-S-C-H dot me. And if you want to dig into some of these concepts a little bit more, you can read about them in the feedback fix available wherever books are sold. We will link to all of that on our show notes and much more. Are you open to connections on LinkedIn? Many of my uh, listeners really love to connect on LinkedIn and would welcome that opportunity. I'd be happy to. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks again, Joe, for being a guest on Let's Fix Work. Thanks, Lori. All right, everybody, sit tight. We'll be right back with more Let's Fix Work. Podcasting is one of the fastest growing platforms to directly engage with an audience, so it's important to get it right. From first-time podcasters to businesses and hobbyists, we have the expertise to provide an end-to-end hassle-free service. Get in touch with GLPro UK at glpro.co.uk and let's start the conversation. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed my chat with Joe Hirsch. Check out his book, The Feedback Fix, and connect with him on LinkedIn. And while you're at it, connect with me at L. Rudiman or Let's Fix Work. Let's Fix Work is a production of GL Pro UK, and this week's episode was recorded in Raleigh, North Carolina and Dallas, Texas. Like what you heard? Please share the show and leave us a five-star review. Now that's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, start today by subscribing to this podcast and help us get the word out by leaving a review.